Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio. And how the tech are you? It's time for the tech news for Thursday, June 16th, 2022. Let's get to it. Here in the United States, Senator Elizabeth Warren has introduced the Health and Location Protection Act. This proposed legislation, if it's passed into law, would place tight restrictions on companies regarding user location and health data. As it stands, Warren argues, data brokers can buy and sell that kind of information, which obviously compromises people's privacy. And in light of the expected Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, there's also a concern that women who live in states that outlaw abortion might be persecuted should they seek an abortion in another part of the country. In fact, some states might consider passing laws that would make it illegal for citizens to leave the state in order to get an abortion, which is a complicated topic. It would undoubtedly face multiple tests in court. But in the meantime, Senator Warren is concerned that people will be struggling while the political system actually hashes everything out. So, 
Part of the impetus for this legislation is the desire to protect those who need to travel in order to seek out a medical procedure that would otherwise be illegal for them. But generally speaking, there's been a need for better protections for data for a very long time for U.S. citizens. We've seen other parts of the world, notably the European Union, pass broad legislation aimed at protecting citizen data. But here in the U.S., that really hasn't been a thing, at least not at the federal level. Warren's proposal would give the FTC the power to enforce rules regarding location and health data, and it would also give citizens a path to sue data brokers that are found to violate that law. Of course, a lot has to happen before a proposal becomes law, so there's no guarantee that this will actually get to a point where, you know, we can rely on it. We'll have to see. While we're on the subject of data brokers and user privacy, let's talk about a change that Firefox has made recently. The browser has been employing numerous protective features for several years now. Back in 2018, it launched the Enhanced Tracking Protection, or ETP, feature. And initially, that was a, an option you could activate, but Firefox later would turn it on by default. ETP blocks web cookies from known trackers. These are entities that attempt to track user browser behavior from site to site in an effort to build out dossiers on those users, typically so that the tracker can then sell that data to data brokers, and they in turn typically sell the information to advertisers. Of course, there are a lot of other things that can happen with your data. Most of them are not good. But the most recent feature that Firefox has turned on by default is one that protects against cross-site tracking. That means this feature prevents cookies from tracking where you came from and where you're going to across different sites, and it's called Total Cookie Protection. The concept is that each website cookie will be siloed from everything else. In fact, uh, bleepingcomputer.com has a great way of putting this, that each website's cookies will be kept in that website's own cookie jar, and they won't mix with the other websites. So you'll still be able to take advantage of what cookies can offer on an individual site. So for example, uh, it could keep your browsing history on a specific site, like a shopping site, so that way you can easily navigate to stuff that you've shown interest in. Or it might keep you logged into a site between sessions. Those are useful things. So cookies are not all bad. But it will prevent trackers from being able to build a browsing profile or fingerprint on you. So this has led to some people declaring Firefox as being the, the most secure browser when it comes to user data. That there are the, the most protections in place, many of them on by default that will prevent your data from falling into you know, the wrong hands, especially without your knowledge, because a lot of that stuff happens without us necessarily being aware of it. I don't often talk about benchmark tests on this show, but I've got a couple of stories that relate to them today. So a benchmark test is one in which the test administrator puts whatever technology it happens to be through a series of tasks to measure its actual output. Uh, because sometimes actual output and what was, you know, theoretically possible on paper are two very different things. So our first benchmark story is about Apple's M2 processor. Apple had been relying on Intel up until a couple of years ago to provide the processors for Apple's computers. But now the second generation of Apple's own processor, the M2, 
uh, is out. And the tests say that the new one is 12% faster than the M1 processor in the same sort of machine if it's used in a single-core processor mode. But when used in multi-core functions, the M2 processor is 20% faster. That's actually even better than what Apple was saying in its WWDC presentation about its upcoming computers. Uh, It had more conservatively placed the M2 as being 18% faster than the M1. So this is really good news for folks who rely on Apple machines. Now we just have to hope that Worth's Law doesn't muck things up. And in case you're unfamiliar, Worth's Law is actually a, a kind of a cheeky observation that says software is getting slower at a rate that outpaces how computers are getting faster. Essentially that programmers, when they're given the leverage of better hardware, end up making even more bloated software. The other benchmark test story I wanted to cover is about Samsung and its televisions. Vincent Tio of HDTV Test discovered that the S95B QD OLED TV that he was testing, and gosh, I just, I love model names, don't you? It's so easy. Anyway, that this particular television he was testing was acting a little peculiar. You see, typically the way that test administrators check on televisions is that they create a test window that only takes up a certain percentage of the full screen of the television. You know, they're focusing on uh, a a sector of the TV screen in order to do their tests. And the typical test uses 10% of a television's screen. These tests tend to measure everything from luminosity, as in how bright the images can get, to contrast, which is the range of colors between true black and true white, and resolution, among other things. Tio documented that the Samsung TV he tested appeared to be boosting performance within the test area, which meant that the television was inflating its score. It was cheating, in other words. It was using an algorithm to give unrealistic results that could not be replicated on the television as a whole. This actually reminds me of Dieselgate, which was the Volkswagen scandal from a few years ago. Uh, If In case you don't remember that, in that scandal, people discovered that several diesel-powered Volkswagen models would switch into kind of a low-emissions mode when the car's computer system detected that the car was being tested for emissions. But then, once it was disconnected from the test system, the car would then switch into a performance mode, presumably one that would not have passed the emissions test because it was going to create more emissions, it was going to output more power. Well, Samsung sounds like it was doing something similar, and when tested, the television would send more power to that little test region to boost stuff like luminosity, but it wouldn't be able to do that for the television screen as a whole, at least not sustainably, without risking damaging the TV itself. Tio and others found that by using a non-standard test window, one that didn't take up 10% of the screen, say just 9% of the screen, that the television would perform in its normal capacity, and that this this so-called cheating algorithm would be foiled. So Samsung came under fire for trying to fudge its television benchmarks, at least allegedly trying to do that. The company's response has not exactly been an admission of wrongdoing. Rather, when responding to a query posted by Flat Panels HD, the company rep from Samsung wrote, quote, 
To provide a more dynamic viewing experience for the consumers, Samsung will provide a software update that ensures consistent brightness of HDR contents across a wider range of window size beyond the industry standard, end quote. Now, what they're saying is, oh, we didn't account for people using other sizes besides 10% window because that's standard. So we're just going to update this so that when you do your test window, no matter what the size is, you're going to get the right results. It kind of sounds like they're updating the cheating algorithm, as Flat Panels HD called it, in order to fool any kind of test. But, you know, maybe maybe that's just a misinterpretation on my part. You know, we'll have to wait and see if there's any follow-up to this. And, you know, if it, if it turns out that the whole TV screen actually is capable of the same things that the benchmark tests were saying, then it's a moot point. But Flat Panels HD and others have suggested that, according to their tests, that just wasn't what they were seeing. So we'll have to see if this story develops. We have some more stories for today. Before we get to those, let's take a quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and the last star on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man, Marie's a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return, your time won't, and we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. 
Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. We're back. It's time to get boring. Yeah, the Boring Company, which uh, if you weren't familiar, is an Elon Musk endeavor, has received the go-ahead to dig more tunnels beneath the city of Las Vegas, Nevada. So the Boring Company previously built a tunnel system under the Las Vegas Convention Center with the goal of making it easier to get across the LVCC during busy conferences like CES. Now, Way back in the day, in the earliest days of the Boring Company, we largely associated the idea of the Boring Company with the idea of the Hyperloop transportation system. But these days, that vision has been whittled back to essentially underground roads, at least in the case of the Las Vegas Convention Center, because there, rather than having passengers and cars move through tunnels on trains or even on sleds, Within tunnels where much of the air has been pumped out in order to reduce air resistance and increase the rate of travel, instead passengers hop into human-driven Tesla vehicles. So really, it's ride-hailing, but underground and with only Tesla vehicles driven by humans. So this isn't even that first compromised vision where we went from the Hyperloop train to a moving sled so that you would drive your vehicle onto a sled, which would then take you and your vehicle to wherever it was you wanted to go. Instead, this is just getting into a vehicle and riding to a stop, at least at the convention center. I don't know that that's how it's going to be for Las Vegas as a whole, but the city of Las Vegas has approved the Boring Company's plan to dig a system that will span nearly 30 miles and will include more than 50 stops on it. And maybe that system will incorporate the sled devices we heard about in the past, or maybe it'll just be an underground road system that adds more traffic to Las Vegas. It's just traffic that's happening underneath the city. Many critics have argued that an alternative like a train system would have been a much better option, but I suppose we're just going to have to wait to find out. Like it's Once it happens, we'll be able to say more clearly if it was a success or not. Of course, by then it might be too late. Uh, but who knows? Maybe the tunnels will be really effective. I'm a little skeptical, but I hope that I'm proven wrong. The Washington Post recently published an article about how the U.S. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or NHTSA, 
released a report showing that within the last year or so, Tesla vehicles in autopilot mode have been involved in 273 crashes. That's a lot more than had been previously reported, and according to the NHTSA, Tesla vehicles made up almost 70% of all crashes that happened while a vehicle was operating in an advanced driver assistance mode, which is what we would call Tesla's autopilot system. Now, I want to walk through a few things before we really draw any conclusions. Y'all know I am not a big fan of Tesla, the company, but I think it's only fair that we really consider all the different factors before we just say, oh, that means Tesla vehicles are inherently unsafe. I don't think that's a fair conclusion because one is that, you know, 70% of all accidents in driver assistance mode being Tesla vehicles, that is huge. You know, saying that nearly three quarters of all vehicles that are involved in crashes, uh, all vehicles that were in advanced driver assistance mode while being involved in crashes are Tesla's. That does paint a bad picture, but does that actually mean that Tesla's system is inherently more dangerous than any other manufacturer's system? Not necessarily, because to draw that conclusion, we would need a lot more data. For example, you know, Tesla is a really popular car model that has those sorts of features. Not every car has advanced driver assistant features, right? So you would first need to know what percentage of the overall market of vehicles with these features does Tesla occupy, right? Because if Tesla has 98% of the cars with these features on the road, but only accounts for 70% of accidents involved with these you know, features enabled, that's different than saying, oh, well, Tesla makes up 20% of the market, right? You have to know all these things in order to be able to draw some conclusions. Tesla maintains that its systems reduce the likelihood of crashes, and it could be that Tesla's driver assistance features have actually prevented way more accidents than otherwise would have happened. So, like, there's no way for us to know that, right? We can't look back and say how many accidents didn't happen because of autopilot. It could be that if autopilot had not been a factor, lots more people would have been in a lot more accidents. It's impossible for us to say. So again, we can't draw firm conclusions because we lack the data to be able to do it. One other thing I did find interesting, according to the Washington Post, uh, regulators discovered that Tesla's autopilot system would automatically shut off a second before impact when the system detected an imminent crash. So the implication there is that Tesla may have built in kind of a plausible deniability switch that technically when a Tesla vehicle gets in a crash, autopilot wasn't in charge because autopilot shut off a second before the, the crash actually happened. However, the NHTSA accounted for this by demanding data for any accident that happened within 30 seconds of an advanced driver assistant uh, system being active. So you couldn't ignore those cases, right? If the autopilot shut off one second before an accident, that would still qualify for the NHTSA. Uh, and a 30 second gap is long enough where you could reasonably say, well, the, the autopilot system or whatever the, the driver assist system was, couldn't have been responsible because there was a long enough gap there between when it was on and when it was switched off. So it had to be, you know, human 
responsibility, not not machine responsibility. So that was how the NHTSA kind of got around that issue. Now, this information about these accidents have prompted some lawmakers to say they need to look more closely at this sort of technology, and that does make sense. Uh, I don't think anyone is going so far as to say these features are a bad idea, but rather that the implementation and deployment can put people at risk, particularly if people rely too heavily on systems that are meant to assist but not replace human attention and action. And now for a couple of stories about censorship, the web, misinformation, abuse, that kind of thing. And first up is Turkey, which may soon pass a law that will make it illegal to spread fake news and misinformation on the internet, primarily targeting social media companies. And here's where things get really tricky. So, on the one hand, yes, Misinformation is a very real and global problem. We frequently talk about it on this show, and there are countries all around the world grappling with ways to hold platforms accountable for how they respond to reports of misinformation. I myself am in favor of measures that can detect and respond to misinformation. That being said, we also have to remember that you always have to ask the question, Who determines what is and isn't misinformation? Because in Turkey, that falls to a government that has for years cracked down on various communications platforms in an authoritarian approach to control the narrative. Now, this is the sort of scenario that free speech absolutists often cite, that any restrictions on speech are going to be dictated by an authority, and that authority might not have your best interests at heart, so therefore restrictions on free speech are bad. And certainly, should this proposed legislation become law in Turkey, I expect the government will use it as a justification to censor any voices that oppose that government in any meaningful way. However, we also have seen the incredible harm that misinformation campaigns can cause. And shrugging your shoulders and saying, well, people just need to make up their own minds, as Zuckerberg once said, that absolutely ignores the truckloads of evidence we have gathered about how things like echo chambers can help radicalize people. Anyway, long story short... I am concerned about this law, although I also think the Turkish government has effectively been censoring stuff online for years, so in a way you could just say that this is, you know, just a a formality. And I, you know, I, I also struggle with this. This is a complicated issue where I definitely want to see misinformation get pushed back, but at the same time, you have to worry about who's doing the pushing. Meanwhile, over in Japan, there's a new punishment for people who are found guilty of insulting someone online. And first, by insulting, I mean insulting with the intent to harm someone. So presumably, the way Ben Bolin and I insult each other would not qualify, because actually, we like each other. We're friendly with one another, but we do insult each other on occasion. Secondly, I need to say this isn't a new law. Instead, it's more of an expansion of an existing law that's meant to deter people from insulting each other and for those insults to ultimately cause harm. So this expansion means that now, if you were found guilty of insulting someone with the intent to harm that person, you could face up to a year in jail. Yikes. 
Now, there's already a plan in place to revisit this law in three years to review it to see what kind of impact it has on free speech versus civility. So it's possible that in the future, Japan will remove the jail time sentence. But yeah, you got to be careful who you call Baka, y'all. All right, we've got a couple more news stories to go. Before we get to that, let's take another quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was we'll Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MoviePhone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best 
lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. We're back. So some Sonos customers got a little more than what they bargained for, literally, after they ordered products from the company. So in a few cases, Sonos's ordering system accidentally sent some customers extra products. So in one case reported on by The Verge, a customer who ordered like six different things from Sonos ended up receiving six of each of those items. Also, Sonos charged people for the extra stuff it sent. So this isn't a case of Sonos makes an error in your favor or anything like that. That's not like Sonos made an, uh, uh, an accidental mistake and as a result uh, charged you for one stereo system but sent you six. No, it's more like it charged you for all six of those. The company said that the system update it recently had on its internal systems accidentally caused, quote, some orders being processed multiple times, end quote. Sonos has said it will refund customers their money, which, I mean, of course Sonos is going to refund customers their money. They have to do that because otherwise they would be breaking a federal law that says you cannot charge customers for products that they didn't order. Uh, now, according to The Verge, for that poor soul who ended up with like more than 30 boxes of stuff, it gets more complicated because Sonos, according to the, the customer who was not named, uh, Sonos has said it will not issue a refund until it receives all of the products that it accidentally sent out, which come on, Sonos. I mean, I, I understand wanting to get the product back because that is a real cost to the company. But this was Sonos's mistake. It was not the customer's mistake. And it sounds to me like the burden of getting everything set right is falling more on the victim of this rather than the company that made the dumb mistake to begin with. So this is me officially wagging my finger at you, Sonos. Don't know if you can hear it. It's good audio. Finally, you might have seen some news reports saying that Chinese scientists thought they had detected radio signals that may have come from aliens using a, a uh, telescope, a radio telescope called FAST, F-A-S-T. And that initial report, which originally published on state-sponsored media in China, has subsequently been removed from said media source. So it's no longer up there. Secondly, before we start flipping out that we've picked up, I don't know, TV signals from Alpha Centauri or something, we need to employ some critical thinking. Radio antenna often pick up odd signals. Sometimes those radio signals are extraterrestrial in nature. But by that, I mean the radio signals originated somewhere other than here on Earth. And there is a lot of stuff out in space that generates radio waves. In fact, that's why we have radio telescopes, is to, you know, measure those kind of things and learn more about our galaxy. It's a natural phenomenon, in other words. It's not being generated by an intelligent species out there. And several scientists have already said that what this Chinese group most likely detected was radio frequency interference, or RFI. 
And uh, that was actually something the scientists themselves said was a possibility. So RFI is just, that's just radio frequency interference that comes from Earth. It's something that all radio observatories have to take into account. That's why a lot of radio observatories, most of them in fact, are located in pretty remote areas where they're far enough out from sources of radio frequencies that that doesn't end up, you know, interference isn't as big a concern. But that's certainly something that does happen. And if we employ Occam's razor here, which is where we say, if you've got more than one potential explanation for something, it's best to go with the simplest explanation or the one that requires the fewest unproven assumptions. You know, if, if you feel a cool breeze in your house, you could think, well, I might have a window open. You know, there could be a draft here, or maybe it's a ghost. Well, drafts, you know, that's something we know that exists. It really does exist. We we are aware of it. Ghosts are unproven to exist. So it makes way more sense to assume that it is a draft, like maybe there's a crack in the wall or maybe there's a window or a door open or something. Then it makes sense to say, oh, it's old Aunt Bertha and she has unfinished business here on this plane. So if you detect strange radio signals and your conclusion is that it could either be aliens or it's radio interference, then RFI is the simplest solution. We know RFI is a thing. We encounter it all the time. It's far more likely that we're picking up radio signals from here on Earth than picking up some sort of radio signal of alien origin. For us to conclude that the signal actually is alien, we would need some sort of incredibly convincing proof. Proof that secured our confidence that it could not have originated as RFI. You've probably heard the saying, Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. This is one of those cases. So while I would love to say we picked up evidence that there are alien intelligences out there that communicate via radio, it's too too early to have said that. It is uh, incredibly unlikely that that is what the Chinese radio telescope picked up. So sad to burst that bubble because I would, I would also love to find out we're not alone out here. I don't think we are alone, by the way. I just also happen to know space is so large that the odds of us picking up radio signals from another intelligent species are just incredibly low, because if that intelligent species is on the other side of the galaxy, it'll take hundreds of years for any signal to make its way over to a point where we could detect it. So the odds are very much... Uh, low (laughs) for that to happen. All right, that's it for the tech news for Thursday, June 16th, 2022. If you have anything you would like to send me, maybe it's a suggestion for a future episode, maybe it's commentary about aliens, who knows, then you can do that in one of a couple of ways. One way is to use the iHeartRadio app. It's free to download. You can just go straight to the tech stuff page on the iHeartRadio app. And there's a little microphone icon there. And if you, if you, Use that. You can leave a voice message up to 30 seconds in length. And if you like, you can even let me know if I can use that audio in an episode. I I prefer opt-in to opt-out, so just let me know. Otherwise, I will likely just use the audio to, you know, 
launch an episode or answer a question, but I won't actually use the audio within an episode. The other way, of course, is just to send me a message on Twitter. The handle for the show is TechStuffHSW, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.